friends, countrymen, lovers of all things design. This is Grits and Grids. Hey everyone, today I have Rebecca Kilbreth, uh, the Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Development and Design Magazine. Um, Rebecca, why don't you say hi and kind of uh, explain what you do and who you are. Uh, I'm Rebecca, and as you noted, I'm editor for Restaurant Development Design, um, and we're a six-time publication that regularly features articles that apply to restaurant developers and designers, of course. Uh, we feature project profiles, unusual projects, great design, development news and challenges, project management concerns, things like that. Um, awesome. And we also publish, I work for a company called Zumba Group, we also publish a magazine called Food Service Equipment and Supplies, which is a pretty well, our D&D has been around about five years, but FNS has been around about 65 years. So people are very, oh, nice. usually people in the food service community are pretty well aware of, of uh, our sister publication. Yeah, that's great. Um, it's funny when I, when I first emailed you and I saw the Zuma group, I was like, is this her workout email <laughs> or? <laughs> yes, we get a lot of jokes about that. And we, uh, we have a joke and they said that some of our People at work have said that when they go to trade shows, they want to be put as a as trainer, like Zimba group trainer, so that people get confused about what we're doing. But uh, <laughs> it is kind of a running joke. That's funny. Um, awesome. Well, so the, one of the reasons why I want to have you on is uh, it's January, and you know this month we kind of look ahead, and so our listenership is full of creatives, um, but also full of uh, potential restaurateurs or restaurateurs that are um, looking to grow and stuff like that. And so I think this month we all, no matter what industry we're in, we really start taking a look at our business model, what's working, what's not working, um, you know, what does the next year look like? And so I think it's great to have someone with a finger on the pulse of the industry be able to talk about, you know, maybe trends that are happening. And so it'd be great to hear from you, like what trends have you seen uh, kind of come and go? Which ones do you think are poised to fall away? Um, which ones do you see coming around the pike? Yeah, I feel like I'm slightly at a disadvantage right now because we do an annual uh, article called Designer's Dish. Okay. And, and that we get to some designers together, some restaurant designers, and they talk about trends and what they don't like, what they're sick of seeing. And we're literally two weeks away from writing that story. So I'm, I'm 100% sure that my opinion will change in a month. But as of <laughs> right, so please look, you know, check out our website for that. But uh, as of right now, I'd say that I, I think that there's a few things that are going to stick around and a few things that are going to change, even though they're still sticking around. Mm-hmm. The real thing that I think people keep talking about is the idea of authenticity and design. Mm-hmm. The idea of, you know, authenticity. Uh, materials, the feeling of an authentic place. And I think the sense of place is going to stay with us. People want to feel like they're in a unique space, in a warm mm-hmm. space. And I, But I think the idea of what that is will change. So right now, there's obviously the biggest trend, and I think most people would know this, is the sort of, uh, I guess I'd call it rustic industrial or industrial chic, mm-hmm. where everything's sort of um, dark woods, Edison bulbs, you know, this sort of this omnipresence of medicine bulbs is kind of a joke at this point. Yeah. But I, I do think that this idea of having a sense of place will stay, but we're moving to lighter color schemes. I've seen a ton of submissions lately that are all much brighter, lighter, a lot of whites, which I was surprised by. It feels like designers are moving in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of clean spaces, um, a lot of uh, sort of the absence of clutter, getting a cleaner looking space, a less, Dominant darkness across the entire uh, room is definitely mm-hmm. going by the wayside. And I think casualness will continue to be a big thing. I mean, obviously, fast casual concepts have driven the industry for a while now. 
Mm-hmm. And young people are not interested in, in fussy formal dining spaces uh, from everything we've seen. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're really not, right? They, I mean, they've sort of shirked the casual dining space. I've been pretty vocal about me thinking that that space is dying. Um, casual dining? Yeah, of course, yeah. of course, I'm, you know, a drama queen probably, but um, <laughs> like it's dying, it's perishing. Well, um, it could be, but, it's just evolving. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean... There's a lot of room for evolution, too, with it. I just think that, like, we're all very capable of ordering for ourselves. And really all we need a a waitstaff person to do is make sure our drink is filled and get us something that we're not able to get ourselves. Well, and that's a big trend, too, is the – I've seen this quite a few times in in some major cities, and it hasn't made its way everywhere. But, you know, the kiosk-style dining. Right. San Francisco has one where it's like an – it looks like one of those – Kitchens of the Future from the 1940s where you walk in and it's just windows and you pull your food out of whatever window you want and you slide your card. Oh, yeah. What were they called? Something omatic. Yeah. Um. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like a lunch omatic. I don't It's very strange. Yeah. So they've got – that's definitely a move. I don't know if people want that level of disengagement, although maybe I'm, – I'm Gen X, so maybe millennials really do want that level of disengagement. But mm-hmm. I think that the move toward just more casual spaces, less fussy, even in the – finer dining spaces they're moving to the deconstructed menus and everything seems to be moving in a slightly more casual way which i like i think it's great i've been to a few places lately that kind of upend my idea of what a space should be or how a steakhouse should be mm-hmm. i went to gt prime not that long ago here in chicago and it is very unusual the design is very high design um but the actual menu you know if you order a steak it's it's meant for sharing which is mm-hmm, pretty mm-hmm. unheard of, I think. It's, it's definitely newer. What was that one called again? It's GT Prime in Chicago. GT Prime, yeah. okay. And that, that was designed by Karen Harold at Studio K Creative. I'm sorry if I get that wrong, but it's off the top of my head. No, it's okay, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll make sure that we just have it in the show notes yeah. so people can check it out. It's just interesting that they are, you know, I've, I've really, I've been to tapas restaurants before, but a place that sort of pushes itself as meat-centric being meant, meant for sharing was a newer experience for me. Yeah, it's really cool. Next time I'm up there, I'll have to check it out. Um, I know, you know, we, we've seen the format shift a bit too. It seems like pizza concepts are really taking it, um, taking it and running. Cause you know, back, back in the day when I, when I was a youth, um, <laughs> you know, pizza hut was a sit down restaurant. Yeah. It was a place that you went to go and they had maybe an arcade game or two. And we work with a couple of restaurants that are very similar, but they have, uh, successfully shifted to, um, an order up front, sit down and, you know, have your own experience kind of yeah. thing. Um, but then there are some that are even pushing it further. Like there's a new uh, concept here in Atlanta. Um, we had the honor of working on in the ground level called Rise, where it is kiosk. There's someone there to kind of guide you to make sure you do it. Um, but you just go up and you order yourself, sit down, and then you have someone that basically takes care of you um, while you're yeah. dining. That's kind of the hybrid model now for service. Yeah, I see that is prime for like an Applebee's and a TGI Fridays and an Olive Garden. Yeah. Like they they need to wake up and see the value net because I think the casual dining space that's where it's really going. Yeah, um, it's, it's, I think Panera has done that too, which is the bread and uh, soup basically that you yeah. you can either you can order on your app, you can order at the kiosk, you can order at the counter, and then it's sort of a halvesy model where you get your beverage and you sit down and they bring you your food. Yeah, what's really interesting is uh, so over the holidays, uh, the wife and I were up in um, Raleigh. And so we stopped by the Panera because it's right down the street and it's a good road food for us. 
And man, there's like a line out the door and I'm looking over at these kiosks and there's no one using them. Yeah. And so I'm doing one of those things where I'm, I'm you know, I'm slowly uh, moseying towards them <laughs> to see if anyone yells at me. And sure enough, they're just all waiting to be waited on. So maybe there is, uh, you know, a counter argument, but uh, maybe a uh, pun intended, a counter argument. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we went up there, we ordered and we were walking out while people were still waiting in line. And we we're yeah. just like, you realize that's so much faster and better, right? <laughs> and Well, and I think it's also there's there's a couple of issues. I think it's a comfort level in terms of like where you are with technology. Sure. Which sure. It sort of comes to a bigger point of the idea of do you know who's using your restaurant and what they want? And, and, yeah. and by having the cast, are they opening the restaurant up to younger people? Is that what they were targeting or were they targeting, you know, easing up the cost of having, having that many people on the counter? It's sort of hard mm-hmm. to say sometimes unless you're behind the scenes of the restaurant, but understanding who your restaurant is for, I think is a big part of how you decide to implement technology and also deciding how can we lure people in who are more interested in interfacing with technology or who understand the convenience of it and the speed of it. Yeah, I think technology is such uh, I mean, I hate to use the word because I feel like it's almost a buzzword at this point. Yeah. Um, and it spans such a vast, vast uh, array of different outlets and what that means. Um you know, but there's the whole quote unquote internet of things that people yeah. have been talking about for the last year or two. And I, I just feel like the restaurant industry is so very much behind on it. Um, yeah. Like we're, we're all sort of set in our ways. <laughs> like, no, this is the way we've done it and we like it. Um, I think that's part of it. I also think it's because it's such a hands-on industry and, and the, also the foundation of it is hospitality. And it's hard to express your hospitality through a computer. Right, right. I think hospitality, the definition of hospitality needs to be remembered when you're actually looking at how technology integrates into, it integrates is the right word, integrates into a seamless experience. Um, Because essentially, like you said, like think about the guests, like if guests are coming in and they don't need a waitress, like a a waitstaff person, except to just retrieve water refills or whatever beverage refills, then why force them into that experience? Because it's it's quite a, you know abrupt and, and disruptive, right? Like, you know, let's just say you and I were doing this at a table at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know the waitress or waiter is going to come over at least two or three times to interrupt us and ask us how everything is. Yeah. And it's like, everything's fine. <laughs> you, you'll know when it's not fine because I'll raise my hand and I'll get mad, yeah. you know? Well, and I think that that's the big move, isn't it? The, I think there'll be a big divide. And I think that's probably where the costs will come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the fine dining experience will still be there. People still want that as an experience. The only thing embarrassing about 2016 was you didn't launch your brand. The minimums were too high, screen fees were ridiculous, and you knew your project was going to be run after the horrible family reunion t-shirts. Your brand deserves the same craft and respect you put into it, and that won't happen with your average partner. Black Hat Merchandising is way more than a churn and burn screen printer. They're a true partner to launch and grow your brand the smart way. No screen fees, low minimum orders, and fair pricing. Black Cat Merch is run by designers for designers, with the focus of growing your brand. Make 2017 the year your brand takes over by visiting blackcatmerch.com and mentioning Grits and Grits for a special offer. But I also think that there'll be a big gap between the fine dining experience and the service-oriented experience and more of the food-oriented experience where service is sort of quiet and in the background and just is there and being inobtrusive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. I think 
th- those that decide to take the take technology and try to warm it up mm-hmm. will also have a, a leg up as well. Because um, it, it's not about just ticking the box of, oh, I have online ordering now. Um, I think it's more about focusing on how can I make the tasks streamlined so the customer experience is more intuitive and, you know, uh, that that's friendly in its own way, right? I mean. Yeah, I also, I'm actually very consumed with where does the experience begin for the consumer at this point. For me, yeah. I do everything online. So for me, the experience does begin online. And, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering... And I actually something I'd really like to explore more in our magazine that is on my list, speaking of things for 2017, is, um, you know, when you're developing and designing and creating a brand experience, space is very important, but the branding happens well before you get into the space. Right. So I think that the, the fascinating thing for me about space and about branding and how those two things intersect is you get clues about whether this space is for you before you ever show up. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's mm-hmm. a real challenge, but also a real opportunity there. Are we, you know, I, I don't understand in 100% why people are drawn to certain styles or certain types, mm-hmm. because I'm not a designer, I'm a writer. Right, right. But um, <laughs> I think that that's such a provocative idea. And I, just, as have, I've grown up in the Rust Belt, for lack of a better phrase, uh, I grew up mm-hmm. in Flint, Michigan. I, is a, in a weird way, the decay of the Rust Belt is a comforting, homey experience for me. And I'm a hundred percent sure that's not true for other people, (laughs) but I I find that sort of provocative and interesting. And and I was actually just thinking about this restaurant. There's a restaurant, I think it's in Cleveland called Mabel's barbecue. Mm -hmm. And we featured it in the magazine and it actually just won an award for uh, design and our first uh, awards, which come out this next issue. And Mm -hmm. I started to took a look at the, the design again, and it is such a perfect melding of warm, rustic, rust belt, aesthetic that it's it's really unusual in that way and mm-hmm. i was thinking well that would definitely be a restaurant for me i would feel really comfortable there but i was also thinking you know if you were a more upscale consumer if you were younger i'm not really sure if it would be for you although it's a great design on on every level um and great mm-hmm. design i think is usually for everybody but i find i find the idea of, of who is this restaurant for and what is it designed for and who feels comfortable here a very provocative idea and how you can express that in the branding before anybody gets in the door is also very provocative to me yeah, I mean it's the essence of telling the story and communicating appropriately. And I think I think one of the, you know one of the biggest shames is when not enough attention is paid to that level of because it's not just about posting pictures of the food and mm-hmm. having a cute logo. I mean, it's very um there are subtleties that are often overlooked um across the touch points that can tell that story better and set an expectation so the interiors can deliver it. And I see a huge divide between interiors and the whole brand side of things. And it's a huge pet peeve of mine that I've been quite outspoken about um, where, you know, you, you hire a brand designer and that person's never brought into the conversation with, with uh, architect or the architect will pay lip service, uh, do one session of FaceTime and then they run off in whatever direction that they want. And it, it's just such a, it creates a gap. Yeah. It's a real missed opportunity. It it really is. What's what's really funny to me is, you know, you're talking about Mabel's and um, I think what really is attractive to you and probably others is it, it feels authentic and genuine. Yes. And I think um, we've gone through this big push of on the interior space, like you said, this industrial chic, um, even like farm shabby chic kind of mm-hmm. look. And um, now you're starting to see some big players try to adopt that look in some way. Um, and I think 
it makes sense why it's taken off, and it's taken off. Be, I think because the whole reclamation of craft and um, dedication, you know, like thank you hipsters, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. But it, that definitely speaks to to that whole angle. But I think now we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, good, all right, we got this, but now I want it to be real. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you put established 2017 in your logo in an old timey way, it feels not real to me. Um, you know what I mean? So it, it's cute, but it's at this at that point, it's decoration. It's it's not real. Like, OK, good for you. I know you I, I know it's, it's your grand opening. You don't need to tell me <laughs> you were established today. You know, um, you know, the established feels good when it's from, you know, established 19, you know, 80, 1990, something what in the past. Yeah. Right. Where it makes sense, where it's like we've been doing, we've been in this game for a while, because um, I think uh, you know outside of the four walls, we're not necessarily outside the four walls, but outside the interior design space, you have seen this. Um, it's funny. I'm going to say it because the guy who's been spearheading it here in Atlanta said it about about his own work. It's bad design. <laughs> it's actually not good design. It's like kind of bad design by design, and I think that gives this sort of mom and pop feel to an otherwise very well put together business model. Yeah, I see what um, you know, so, so case in point and, and, you know, if he's listening, <laughs> Alvin, I'm just like re- reiterating what you said. Uh, his name's Alvin, Alvin Dieck, and he's basically um, done all of Ford Fry's uh, concepts here in Atlanta. Okay. And, it, and it has a look, it has an aesthetic. You, you kind of know it when you see it. And um, it matches that, that that industrial chic, that sort of like reclamation of nostalgic elements for a new a new location. I guess I'm rambling, but no. what I really see is um, <laughs> is what's the next step? What's around the corner? Well, you know? it's funny that you say that because I feel like the one thing that and I think this is in the same idea and same wheelhouse of you know reclaiming the arts <laughs> in a way, mm-hmm. which is that everything is becoming front of the house. At the back of the house is becoming front of the house. So right. anything they can do, designers have done some really interesting stuff that I've, you know, we featured recently that pops into my mind. One, obviously, I mean, everyone is doing open kitchens now because we want to see their food being made. It adds that level of authenticity, of freshness. It makes mm-hmm. people feel like they're part of the process. It also is part of the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's other things that I found fascinating that people are putting in the front of the house. We did a whole trend piece on um, people putting their um, meat aging rooms in the front of the house. So that you can actually sort of see literally how the sausage gets made, I guess. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. So they're putting that in the front of the house. I've seen a couple of places where they're putting um, what would have been considered an eyesore, like the room where all the taps are. Like if you have a million you know, beers on tap, you would, right. put, you would put that room in the back of the house because it's just wires and a mess. And I've seen a couple amazing designs where they made that a feature, where they basically made it a room filled with windows. And then they mm-hmm. sit people around it and you can look right in and see all the beer taps in action. Which gives mm. you a sense of where you are, what this place is about, what they do, and it invites you into the workings of, of how it all comes together, which I think is right. really part of that feeling of authenticity and that feeling of being part of, of you know, understanding what's happening and, and seeing where your food and drinks are coming from, even if you're not, you know, at the farm. Mm-hmm, so I think mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. And we even just, I think we're doing a piece, we are, it's the next issue about in-house distilleries. So people are actually, and this right. is way more complicated because of laws, but um, you know, actually having this still on site and you can see, you know, just like with the brewery, brew pubs, you can see the brewery um, right. in action. And I think that's amazing as well. I think those things add also, like I said, a, a show in a way mm-hmm. it, it becomes a, the, the actual 
machinations of the restaurant become part of the interaction. Yeah, that's a, adds a level of theater that's I think exactly. worth talking about. I think yeah, and I think that adds that realness that you said that authenticity because you know if, if Mabel's opened up, let's say you know um, in another location, and they tried to mimic that look, it just wouldn't feel right. They're in Cleveland. It makes a hundred percent sense, and it pays right. it pays tribute to the people of that area and their yeah. history. And uh, it's it's pretty fascinating. I just love that kind of stuff. Yeah, me too. I think, you know, what I'd like to see happen this year is I'd like to see that gap between architecture and architecture, interior design and brand close up. And um, I think it's going to take a little bit of humbling of some architects. But um, <laughs> I'm not going to tell them that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'll be I'll be the jerk. It's OK. <laughs> Although I do think that that's something that um, we one of the other things I, I fantasize for for 2017 and 2018 is talking more about project management and, and team building behind the scenes in restaurant development and design, which is sort of the first key to getting that to happen, in my opinion, which is mm-hmm. getting everyone into the team at the beginning and being a shared partner in that team, which mm-hmm. will lead to the closing of the gap. I think, yeah. you know, if you bring people in early and you have a vision, I think of the, the best restaurants uh, in terms of design, obviously, but also food and when it all works is when someone's a visionary and they find the right people to execute the vision and can find people who build on the vision and can make it even better than they dreamed of. Yeah. But truly working together, I think, you know, a lot of people will talk about the teamwork and the team, but I I just, there's so much uh, disparateness between each person that I've seen, at least in projects that I've been on and projects I've been privy to. Mm Um, that would be great if that was shored up and, and uh, restaurant owners or uh, marketing managers actually, you know, saw the need to, like, keep things in line. And the, the big guys know how to do it. Um, but, you know, when you're smaller, even a small multi-unit, it's just really maybe it's just not on the radar. Well, I'm going to have you write an uh, article about that. A consultant's team. We have a, we I have like a, it. Yes, we have a, a, a regular feature where people can give their strong opinions about something that needs to work better. If there's one thing I have a lot of, it's strong opinions. <laughs> we'll definitely have to talk about that. Yeah, maybe maybe to a fault sometimes. Yeah, that's it me too. I'm just trying to be somewhat diplomatic. But... No, no, of course. You have to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's good. So what's interesting is before the um, before I hit the record button, we did have a talk. So it was talking about strong opinions. I thought this was great, and I, and I wish I would have known about it before it happened. But um, the, the whole Fed Thought Summit, um, yeah. which is the shorthand for it. But yeah. tell us more about that. So we, uh, my publishing company, Zumba Group, we, aside from exercising and publishing, we hosted <laughs> a we, – we, Produced, hosted, we got together the speakers for, I guess it would be best to call it like a TED-style talks event, but it was a two-day thought leadership summit. And because our readers are, we have two different, similar but different readerships. We've got food service equipment supplies, so we have we have access to manufacturers, operators, you know, um, all different kinds of uh, non-commercial uh, food service uh, operators. And then mm-hmm. restaurant development design, we have designers, developers, operators, a whole mix, consultants. We brought all those people together, not all of them, but about 150, as I recall, oh, wow. uh, at, a, at a beautiful, uh, we, we picked the Chicago Athletic Association Hotel because it's very uh, architecturally significant. And both, mm-hmm. the, both of the restaurants in the hotel won James Beard Awards for design, or at least were nominated for them. Oh, so wow. we thought that this was the perfect venue. And we spent about a day and a half uh, with 20-minute uh, talks where each speaker got to give a, you know, a, a short but concise and very incisive 
talk about the topic of their choice within a given mm-hmm. uh, category. And it was just so fascinating to hear all these people who are not usually, you know, they weren't from the, the, the speaker circuit, if that makes sense. They were actually within the industry giving right. real thoughtful talks about what they care about and, and, and ways in which design is important to them, the future of restaurants, the future of, of hospitality in general. It was really fascinating. And um, we, we actually, it's all online now. It was back in September. We're going to do it every other year. And, and we are going to, uh, you know, to hopefully just take it up a notch each time. But if you, I, I can give you our website too, if you want, it's, um, rddmag.com slash summit 2016. And you can access all of the talks from there for anything that you're interested in. I thought Perfect. it was really, it was a really, really interesting event and it was fun for us because it got to bring all of our worlds together. And we also, uh, everyone in our company loves to host a good theme party. So that's definitely, sure, yeah. that was definitely up our alley. Then, <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, the Chicago Athletic Association, I'm like, okay, why have I heard of that before? But um, MUCA Design re- did the rebranding oh, for okay. that. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Okay. And so that's why it's on my radar. Oh, I was just... a, by the way, the branding for that place is spectacular. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. And just the design, everything they did at that place. The restaurants are amazing. I can't recommend it yeah. enough. And then, uh, actually, since we're talking about events, we also have launched for our, our D&D's been around uh, about five, five years now. I'm going to, we mm-hmm. started as a supplement to our other publication, but we, this past year, we also launched our first regular event and we're doing, uh, an event called tour of the design trends where we take readers, uh, we, we, you know, you can submit if you're, if you're a reader, let us know, reach out to us if you want to go, mm-hmm. but we take readers on a trolley tour of a city. And this year we're going to do Chicago again, because we just are so well-versed in Chicago and it works for sure. us. We actually did a survey and that's what everyone wanted to do. So we were surprised that the readers wanted to come back there, but we took them nice. on a trolley, a, a day, an, an afternoon long trolley tour to four different restaurants that combine all the best of what's happening in restaurants in Chicago right now. So, oh wow! Yeah, okay. so we we went in and we talked about the design and we talked about the space and we had either an operator or a, des- or a designer there to talk about their inspiration and how they worked to get it where it is. And then mm-hmm. we also had them sample some beverages and snacks, and it was pretty amazing. Um, just because it was a good chance to see stark four different very kind four very different kinds of spaces, but each uh-huh. of them at the top of their game. So I thought that that's was a, really, that's really a fun event as well. Are you allowed to share who's on the tour? Uh, well, we actually, I can tell you who's on the last tour, the coming tour. Uh, we actually keep it a surprise. Okay. Which okay, cool. actually ended up being part of the fun because I think some designers have been like, well, I've been to that place. It doesn't really matter. But we were offering right. a slightly different take because we were giving them access to the people, access to food, and access to the operations off hours in many cases. So that yeah. gave them a chance to sort of get behind the scenes. We did... Um, Let's see, we did, uh, I don't want to get any of the actual names of the places wrong because I'll feel terrible, but we did, uh, <laughs> we did um, Latinicity, which is a uh, Latin food court in downtown uh-huh. Chicago, so it's a food hall, and there's a bunch of food stations, it was pretty amazing. We did Three Greens, which is a, a different kind of food hall, it's by um, a Chicago, popular Chicago operator, Brendan uh, Sotokoff. Has a okay. bunch. He has some very, very popular and famous restaurants, including Al in Chicago, which is like the best burger in America. Okay. And so they, they have this very unusual grab-and-go location that offers kind of the greatest hits of some of their restaurants. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. Smart. And then they uh, we went to Belly Q and Urban Belly, which is a Korean barbecue place. It, sort of, it was definitely done by the, the chef, Bill Kim, is the visionary behind that. And he helped. Mm-hmm. He really had a big hand in designing it. And he gave a beautiful talk. And they, they gave us amazing food. And then we ended up at this just spectacular steakhouse called Swift & Sons. Yep, I've heard of that. Yeah, it, it, I mean, if you're going to – I mean, I don't mean to play favorites because there's amazing restaurants in every corner in Chicago. But yeah. uh, 
I would definitely recommend just going in and walking around that place. The design is incredible over the top. Uh, awesome. And so that we actually got to enjoy some cocktails there, which was amazing and some sliders and we got to talk to the operators there. So that was pretty neat. So we did that. And I think, I think that's part of our overall outreach as a magazine, not to be too like self-promotional because that always makes me, sure. but one of our, <laughs> one of our goals is to help educate our readers, get in closer touch with our readers and to offer them opportunities. So we do webcasts and we do events and we do, we don't do a podcast yet, but you're inspiring me. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our goal is to get closer to our readers in order to, to better service them and to get them to, you know, to have the advantage in their careers. I mean, that's the ultimate goal of a trade publication is to help people in their work. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of the essence of the, of, of the blog and the, um, in the podcast, uh, I, I've been vocal about it, but I don't make, we don't make any money doing this. It's yeah. more just, I want everyone to see like that there is good stuff out there and it's not unattainable. And this is what it looks like. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, you know, what this all comes down to is understanding who you're serving and how you can be of better service to them. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the heart of hospitality is understanding how you can better service the people that are coming better, you know, just be a better host. (laughs) If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, whether you're giving them branding or food or an incredible space or hopefully a good magazine. Yeah, well, I mean, when the next one of those runs uh, rolls around, I would be happy to help, um, even if it's just sending over suggestions on some of the restaurants. Okay. um, If if Atlanta is chosen, Atlanta is an awesome city. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, definitely throw it in for consideration. Yeah, I I had several cities on my shortlist that I we'd send out a survey to see what people wanted to go, and I was really rooting for Washington D.C. because they'd had there's a bunch of oh yeah there's a bunch of places I want to visit there. And uh, I was very surprised that people picked Chicago again, but Chicago is right now a pretty hot restaurant city in general. Absolutely. You really yeah. can't. I mean, I live outside Chicago and I can't make it to every place I would like to go. So, yeah, I'm going to have to make a trip up there again soon. We have a, we have an office up there so I can leverage it and call it business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that'd be awesome. I can put your name in for the tour. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Um, when, when is it going to be? Are you allowed to? Uh, we haven't to, set the date. It will okay. probably be around. There's a there's a trade show called NeoCon, which is you know uh-huh. toward designers, and it'll probably be around NeoCon. Okay. So we're we're, okay. So we're firming up the details right now. I'm sure my marketing manager would be having a heart attack if he could hear me talking right now, but. Well, this is going to air in a couple of weeks, so put the press on them. We might have more details then. Yeah. No, that'll be good. Get people excited. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, once once you know more details, we'll post it on the on the uh, blog Thank as you. well and try to pump it up. Um, so this has been great. I think there's a oh, lot of stuff to chew on, pun intended. I'll <laughs> knock it off. Um, and I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be on. Um, Thank you for having Where can me. people find you and where should they go? Tell, okay. Well, tell our, go. our magazine's website is rddmag.com. And you can find most of our social media links from there. I won't, I won't bore you with all the URLs. And then I found, <laughs> we found each other on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so I'm definitely there. Um, and I feel like I, ch- I changed my Instagram, which was stupid. But um, I made it longer, which is a bad idea. But mine is um, rddeditorbex, B-E-X, if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, which is not, I don't know. I, I'm not exactly the most exciting person, but it helps me get in touch with people. Absolutely. Yeah, I love the, I love the platform, it's too. You know, it's funny, um, before we hop off, I, I had been doing the blog for a while and I covered a designer from Australia. Her name's Gemma. Oh, I'm, and so, I'm just, familiar with her. Yeah, she's great, man. She does some amazing work. Yeah. And she's like, are you going to post this on your Instagram? And I'm like, I don't, I don't have one. And then I'm like, shit, I don't have one. <laughs> Why don't I have an Instagram account? Because, um, yeah. you know, for the agency we do, but oh, not yeah. 
I just didn't for the blog. So yeah, <laughs> I've, I've had one really since the beginning. I loved it since the very beginning. And then I actually, I had a personal one forever, which is just me, my baking and my cat. So no one cares about that. Yeah. But uh, the, then I started one for work when I took on the editor in chief position a few months ago, I used mm-hmm. to, I used to do all of our social media for, for our publications Oh, great. I, I hadn't done Instagram because it just was just frankly one more thing I had to fill. So I was like, I didn't really right. have time. But once I became editor in chief, when I did looked around, you know, the design community is on Instagram. They just are. Right. And so that was my easiest methodology to get in touch with everyone. And I also yeah. love it as a platform. I just think it's the greatest. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, it was one of those moments where it just, I had to hit myself in the forehead. Cause I'm like, <laughs> what, what am I thinking? Like why, or what, why was I not thinking? Um, you know, and I did the same thing with my uh, handle on Instagram. I had at Vigor for so long, which is what I wanted. Yeah. And, but then there was a possible acquisition. And so I changed it because I didn't want to have to give up my account. And then someone snagged it. Oh, what a mess. But <laughs> anyway, I rambled on. Let's okay. uh, let's land this plane, people. All right. Um, thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I mean, um, I always appreciate the time out. And, um, you know, for the for the listeners, please do check out Rebecca, check out the magazine. It's great. Once again, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Do follow us at Grits Grids. That's Grits Grids with no end in between on Instagram and Twitter. This podcast and the Grits and Grids blog is a passion project of Vigor, a restaurant and beverage branding and marketing firm based in Atlanta. Check us out at www.vigorbranding.com. And of course, we're all over social media. Until next week, stay hungry, stay thirsty, and be creative.